Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. What is it that makes a church service so good? It's not just the great praise and worship. It's not just the preaching of the Word of God. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit, the hand of the Lord. Let's go to the Word of God and find out together what makes a service so great. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. Uh, we're going to be taking a look probably for the rest of this week into the subject of the balance of the gifts and the Word in the church. That's a church service. And I was raised Pentecostal, of course. Of course, most of the churches that I was in I had an overbalance on the gifts of the Spirit, overbalance on the uh, areas of speaking with tongues and things like that and divine healing, which was good. I mean, which, all those things are excellent, found the Word of God. But very few churches that my wife and I went to actually taught the Word of God. We heard preaching. And preaching was just a different sermon every time you came to church, wrapping around a thought, usually a thought and then scriptures surrounding it. And uh, yet there was very little teaching of the Word of God. And the Word of God is meant to be taught. In fact, if I were to look for a church and had no church around me, I would look for one. If I couldn't find one that had the proper balance of the uh, Holy Spirit and the Word of God, I would look for one that's more weighted toward the Word of God. Because whatever the Holy Spirit does for you is mainly just for the moment. Now, He can give you revelation of the Word, but of course, that still comes back to the Word of God. But just the gifts of the Spirit, the healings, the manifest, all those things are wonderful, but it's just for the moment, or it's just for the for your lifetime while you're here. The things that you learn from the Word of God are eternal. But again, I don't want to minimize the Holy Spirit or the gifts of Spirit, we actually need that proper balance in the church service. And that's what I want to talk about. There was an article that came out in Christian Retailing uh, probably a few years ago. I'd say it's probably been almost eight, nine years ago. And uh, I was at the office one day and, and somebody came and put that article down in front of me. And actually, I got Christian Retailing Magazine. And I don't even know how I got on their mailing list, but it's just all it was was how to arrange books and where to order books and proper ways to put them on a shelf, display them, uh, all the different things like that uh, to help the sales of them. And I thought, you know, why am I getting this? So I'd always give it to my bookstore. And my bookstore at the church one day came and plopped this thing down in front of me and, and had it written on there, read this article. And what it was, was the best-selling books in the Christian market today at that time, like I said, probably 10, 12 years ago. And what was interesting about that article was this, was they said the best-selling books right now on their way up and about to set new records are older books from ministers on the Holy Spirit. And they're being purchased by ministers. And what was happening was for so long, and this was in the in the 2000, mid 2000 teens, you know, 2011, 12, something like that, when this article came out, is we had just come through this time period of the late 80s into the early 90s, into the mid 90s, where there was a turning away from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And every, all churches revolved around that the number one thing that caused churches to be known and that caused your church to be great was the numbers that attended. Everything revolved around church growth and a constant push for church growth. And what was put away was what does the Bible say makes a good church? To be honest with you, I would rather have 
four or five churches in town that aren't big, but have a good balance of the spirit and the word rather than one or two gigantic churches built on programs and built on busing or built on bringing people in or built on music ministry, things like that. There's nothing wrong with these things, but what should be emphasized above everything else is the word of God. God has not exalted the Holy Spirit above his name. He's exalted the word above his name. The highest thing that God sees is the word because even the gifts of the spirit we see around us are temporary. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, toward the end of the chapter, they are given until that which is perfect is come. That which is perfect will be the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And that could be seven years from today. So it simply comes back to this when the tribulation's over and that happens and Jesus Christ comes and personally rules over the earth, the gifts of the spirit will be gone. The curse on the earth will be gone. There'll be no more sickness, no more disease, nothing like that. And so again, but what will go on forever and forever is the word of God. It lives and abides forever. The one eternal thing you sow into your people is the word of God. The new birth introduces them to that which is eternal, which is the new birth. But after that, they need the word of God, which is also eternal. And this is what churches ought to be geared toward. I would say this, it ought to be weighted in a church service of more toward the word of God and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the operations of the Holy Spirit, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecies, divine healing, laying hands on the sick. That should take the sub part of the church. But the main thing that happens is, and what you spend most time on is the teaching and the opening up and rightly dividing of the word of truth. So again, uh, in that article, it was returning to the Holy Spirit. What I want to note is revival always begins with a turning to or a returning to the Holy Spirit. And some churches, again, that even teach the word of God and do a magnificent job of it, they'll find a, they'll, they'll find an anointing in a church service, but they don't, often don't know what to do with it. And really, it isn't so much even the gifts of the Spirit that, that turn people off, I would say this, or, or, or frightens people. That's maybe a better term to use. It frightens people is tongues. You mentioned tongues and people don't understand it. And so we're going to be talking about that in this in this. A few days that I'm here. And ministers, if you're watching, be sure and take some notes. Those have been looking for a church, maybe this is time you'll take some notes and, and take a look. Or if you have in your church some questions that maybe your pastor is not answering, we'll try to answer them here on the broadcast. There's a story in the Word of God from the Old Testament where Elisha had the school of the prophets. And Elijah had gone on to heaven, and now Elisha took over the school of the prophets, and that was his main uh, ministry. You know, where Elijah's main ministry was in public doing signs and wonders and miracles. Behind the scenes was Elisha, and Elisha was training these students in the school. And one day, as they sat down to eat, it says there was a famine in the land. And so Elisha told the students, run out into the fields and bring back some vegetables and things like that. We're going to make a stew out of it. And one of the students who probably didn't know up, you know, up, uh, one from another, ran out and instead of grabbing something that was, you know, edible, you know, uh, whatever, he ran and grabbed a poisonous uh, vine and grabbed a poisonous fruit off of it. Some kind of, looked like a vegetable, but it was not a vegetable, it was poisonous. And he came back and they sliced it up and put it in the pot and all of them started eating and then suddenly someone cried out and they cried out to the old man. They cried out to Elisha and said, sir, there's, there's death in the pot. And so Elisha did not get upset, did not, did not, you know, blow his stack for some idiot kid that ran out there and didn't know the difference between a poisonous plant and a vegetable. And he just simply took and he, and he threw flour into it. I looked it up in the Hebrews, the word cornmeal. He threw cornmeal in there and then all of a sudden it healed the pot. 
And then, you know, when you read that story, you wonder what's going on until I heard a minister explain it because he quoted the, the story. I'm familiar with the story, but never saw any spiritual significance in it. He stopped for a moment and said, did you get it? And everybody looked at him like, what are you talking about? He said, he said, there was a famine in the land. He said, does that speak of today? We have a famine today of the word of God and young men are running out into the fields and they're coming back with things that they think are good and some of it's poison. It's being thrown into the pot. He said, why do we need the influence of older men and women in the church? Why do we need those who are there at the founding of some of the things we're teaching right now? And they're now in their 70s or 80s. And we want to put them out to pasture instead of drawing off their wisdom. Said, who was the one that settled the whole thing? He said, it was the old man that was sitting there. And he and he just simply threw flour in there. He said, flour or cornmeal represents basic doctrines. What will answer all these questions, today? all this crazy stuff that, that ministers do, all the different ways they try to get church growth, all the different uh, uh, meetings they're going to, all the different seminars they're attending on ways to grow the church, but they're not talking about the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. It comes back to once you throw a little bit of foundational doctrines in there, it just straightens the whole thing out and heal the whole pot. We've come through some great times. In fact, in the 1980s, 1990s, in fact, in the late 60s and 70s, when a lot of this began, we came into the charismatic movement, which really had its growth from the 1940s. And that goes all the way back to the early 1900s, the beginning of the 1900s with the Azusa revivals, which after that revival died out, they were refreshed back in the 1940s and early 50s with the healing movement. And a great ministers rose up at that time, A.A. Allen, Oral Roberts, others at that time period, T.L. Osborne, some of those ministers back there. Brother Hagen himself came through those times. And we see those great movements coming and then they begin to die out just a little bit. And by the 1960s, the whole thing turned around the end of it in a time when America was not doing so good. And we were having, you know, at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago, we had riots in the streets. We had uh, uh, young people looting and things like that, much what we see today. And so this was happening. And so at that time period, there broke out the charismatic revival. The charismatic revival was the influence of the gifts of the spirit into denominational churches. And suddenly we had a movement that started here, spread around the world and became incredible. Out of that movement came the full gospel businessmen, worship groups, other things like that. And again, a great move of the Holy Spirit among denominational churches. You could go to churches like just Methodist churches and Baptist churches and not only have a time of the hearing of the word of God, but they would lay hands on the sick. And there would be some gifts of the spirit that would be in operation. And uh, so again, this happened. And then during the 1980s and the early 1990s, incredible church growth came because of the word of faith movement. The word of God became very important to the forefront. So the gifts of the spirit were followed by the teaching of the word of God, and we find again the, in the late 80s, early 90s, but then all of a sudden in the mid 90s, there was a turning away from the Holy Spirit. Numbers became the indicator of church success. And they began to put lights here and, and, and they talked about smoke here and do we do this? All the different things was placed into a church. There's nothing wrong with that because it doesn't make or break the anointing. But all of a sudden, what became important was what you saw, what was there uh, instead of the Holy Spirit, we had symbols of the Holy Spirit. And smoke doesn't make or break the anointing, neither to certain lights and all that, but human plans and strength cannot replace the Holy Spirit. And it hinders his tangible presence. Our leadership and ideas will not replace the Holy Spirit. It comes down to this, sin grieves the Holy Spirit, but legalism, the strength of the flesh, quenches the Holy Spirit. The two major things talked about against the Holy Spirit, which is grieving, which comes from sin, but quenching it comes from when we try to do it in our own strength, we make up our own ideas. And instead of the word of God, we had Madison Avenue techniques placed into the church. It's not of the spirit. 
that the church leaders are fearful of. It's speaking with tongues. And I've heard this before from ministers. Well, not everybody gets tongues. And they'll talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of them is uh, tongues and then interpretation of tongues. But what's interesting there is they say, but we, you know, not everybody gets tongues, just certain one get tongues. And it's often interesting. They'll even say, well, some of our staff members speak with tongues. I've often asked them who, and they'll just get real quiet because they don't know anybody. The point of it is it comes back to this. Praying in the spirit is not explained to the people. And ministers often say, we don't have the gifts on Sunday morning because it's offensive and we lose people. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26 says this, whenever you come together, one has a tongue, one has an interpretation. It simply comes back to it. Whenever we come together, we need to be open for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Never let them replace the word of God because the word of God is the utmost and the importance. And we're even told to limit the gifts of the spirit. So we have plenty of time for the teaching of the word of God. It simply comes back to this. Don't lose the fear of the Lord because of the fear of people. The word has a plan for a local church and for its leadership and for the even how the local church service should be planned. We'll get to those when we come back from halftime here, when we get back from the break, and you can find out how you can have some more information on this from the announcement, from the offer that we are giving today. The new birth is an inward work of the Holy Spirit. But when a believer becomes filled with the Holy Spirit, there is an outward display. In these 32 MP3 audio lessons by Pastor Bob Yandian, the ministry and gifts of the Holy Spirit are explored in detail, along with their appropriate use inside and outside of the local church. Lesson titles include A Gift of Power, A Word in Season, Gifts of the Spirit, Spiritual Gifts in the Church, The Gifts and Callings of God, The Utterance Gifts, The Prophet and the Apostle. The Gifts of the Spirit USB flash drive can be used on any computer MP3 player, smartphone, tablet, or car stereo that is equipped with a USB connection. To order Gifts of the Spirit, visit our website at bobyandian.com. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Without the Word of God, our lives would be unstable and without direction. There would be no hope for believers or, for that matter, the entire world. In this seven-part series, Pastor Bob Yandian emphasizes and explains the vital necessity of the Word of God in the life of every believer. Sermon titles include A More Sure Word of Prophecy, The Inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's Reputation, The Wisdom of God's Word, the Merchandise of Wisdom, Wisdom, Riches, and Honor, and Jesus, Our Wisdom. To order Importance of the Word, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
God has a plan for so many things in the Christian life, but he also has a plan for the church service. We're told in the Old Testament, the plans that were there will enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. It was even an explanation of how that they entered into the presence of God. It begins with praise and worship. And great praise and worship should have that anointing and blessing of the Spirit of God, that anointing from God. The same thing is true with the Word of God. In fact, the anointing of the Holy Spirit should be in every part of the church service where people say there's just something different. When I hear the praise and worship of this church, it's just so different. Well, the reason why is you're sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit, not just the excellence of the musicians, not just the great practice they've had, not just their quality, but what comes through even more than that is the the presence of the Holy Spirit and comes from a worshiper's heart. Well, even announcements can have a certain anointing to it. And even prayer requests can have a certain anointing to it. It's not because of the quality of the person or that their wonderful voice, it comes back to a heart before God. Heart is what you pick up on. And especially in the preaching and teaching of the word of God, to where when a pastor opens up the word of God, he also opens up his heart and bears himself before the people and before God that I need the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what people often walk away from church going, that sermon was excellent. So many points I picked up, but man, you could just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, the teacher of all teachers. Well, God's plan for the church service is for a balance of the gifts of the Spirit and the Word of God. And that can come, first of all, by I will enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. From the moment the church service begins, there should be a presence of the Holy Spirit in the singing and praising to God. I was on a program one day. A man invited me to be on his program. And the first question he said, he's your pastor. He said, tell me, what's the importance of praise and worship? I don't understand that. He said, I don't like singing. I don't like any of that. I just soon get straight into the word of God. Why can't we go straight to the word of God? What good is praise and worship? I said, well, what good is plowing the ground before you plant the seed? He just looked at me and said, oh, I said, right, because when people come to church, their brain's on everything else. Some of them had arguments in the car on the way to church. Somebody, you know, one of the, the babies pooped its pants. And, and I mean, we just have problems with children coming through the door, all this stuff. And they finally, with all this stuff finally settled, somebody got up late that morning. It caused anxiety in the house and they finally got to church. And by the time they sit down, their brains are everywhere. If we got, if we've got 400 people, we've got 400 different directions people are going in and all of a sudden, Praise and worship pulls us all in the same direction and opens up our heart, plows the ground so that the ministers can sow the seed. This is what it's for. A pastor's first priority should be prayer and study of the word. I'll qualify that even further. A praise and worship leader's first priority should be prayer and ministry of the word of God. It's not just the praise and worship. That's a vehicle that their heart should be in line with God. I, I've talked to ministers before and said, you know, what, what's the main thing that your praise and worship leaders do? Uh, you know, before they lead praise and worship, well, they get here early and they practice. I said, do they practice during the week? Oh yeah. Yeah. They want to practice, practice, practice because they want to make sure they're really good. It's not the excellence of how well you sing, how well you blend and all of that. It comes back to that I believe throughout the week, that's fine to have all that time for practice, but on Sunday mornings before the service begins, they should be back there praying. They should be back there worshiping God. In fact, if they want the congregation to enter into worship, they should be worshipers themselves. It's not just the excellence of those leading praise and worship. It's the heart of those leading praise and worship and prayer, and especially praying in the spirit. Praying in tongues opens up your heart to become so receptive to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and have him flow through you. It's through prayer that you suddenly find out your inadequacies, 
prayer shows you the excellence of God and the less excellence of yourself and the demand on you to depend on the Holy Spirit to depend on the presence of God and understand this. I am just a connection between God and the people. I'm like a wire. I connect the power plant over here with the light bulb over here, and I just carry that through me. It's not the wire that gets all the glory. It's the power plant that gets all the glory. That's where we send our bill to every month and pay them for the use of what they produce. God has sent his Holy Spirit out and shed his presence into the church service. He's looking for those that will simply be a wire and a praise and worship leader and praise and worship people that are there with the guitars, that are there with the with the keyboards, all the things they have are simply a wire to connect the power of God to the people so that power can flow through them and the wire gets no glory. It's Listen, there's no problem with you leaving the church service and people don't even know your name. All they know is it was a great time of praise and worship to the Lord and my heart was simply opened up. Prayer requests are answered during praise and worship. Healings take place during praise and worship. All these things can happen because that anointing is there to break the yoke. And you don't have to wait till the preaching of the sermon for the power of God to do signs and wonders. In fact, it's great to have a person who comes in sick get healed during praise and worship, and their heart is now open even more to receive the word of God. So the two things that God says for a minister is first of all, a pastor's priority and a minister's priority in the church of any type should be to prayer and next of all, the study of the word of God. Two places this is specifically brought out in that order and in those words, Exodus chapter 18 and verse 20, and there Moses' father-in-law said, why don't you have other people handle it so you can give yourself, first of all, to preaching the word of God into prayer. Prayer to hear from God and then know what to preach to the people. This is your main responsibility. Acts chapter six and verse four, when they chose the seven men of honest report to take over the first ones that became deacons in the church, it's so we can give ourselves primarily to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. So the study of the word of God is brought out. Study to show yourself approved to God a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Here, uh, Paul is commanding Timothy, put yourself before the Lord, first of all, and study to show yourself approved to God. Notice this, it doesn't say read to show yourself approved unto God, it says study to open the word of God and take it almost a word at a time, break it down, find some good authors, ministers, find some who have lived before you and they may be dead by now. I mean, they've been dead for years. In fact, some of the books I read and I still read today and some of the, even the the uh, audio I hear of radio broadcasts were from the 1950s, 1960s. And you say, yeah, but they're so old. Listen, I don't care if they sound old. I don't care if the music sounds old. To me, the word of God never gets old. And the way they open up the word of God. And so books, that I, I have, that authors died back in the 1930s, 1920s. But the point of it is the word of God lives and bides forever. You say, yeah, but they're so old. Well, how old was Paul? Think about it. He still blesses us today and he was some 2000 years ago. So what does it matter if you're studying after a guy that died, you know, 80 years ago? And so the point comes back to this, the word of God lives and abides forever. And we never, ever come to a point where we find ourselves not in need of the word of God. We've outgrown the word of God. Well, if you've outgrown the word of God, then you've outgrown God because God's exalted his word above everything else in the universe, even above his name. And so we are told to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A sermon that hits more people at one time than anything is one that is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
People don't walk out going, what did he preach on? I don't know. Uh, you know, I was taking, I was, I was reading this or playing with my phone or something like that. But the point of it is when the anointing of God is there, that sermon will hit more people at one time than anything and affect their life. Exodus chapter 18, where the counselors were chosen, counseling is even one form of teaching one-on-one. And counselors, you, your counselors in the church that, de- that deal with problems in marriage and problems in the family and problems at the office and personal problems, all the problems they deal with that they're counseling about simply comes down to this. They need the same word of God and the same anointing as the pastor in the pulpit. Counseling is simply one-on-one teaching. The next area beside the word of God that ministers are to be powerful in is next of all prayer. Praying for the people and praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. You're praying for the sermon to come up on Sunday. You're praying for the proper explanation of the word of God. You're praying for revelation on a verse of scripture. It simply comes down to this. The Holy Spirit who lives in you and the Holy Spirit who has come upon you for power is the same Holy Spirit that wrote the word of God. Have you ever read a book and wonder what in the world the author meant by that point? I mean, maybe my wife likes to read, you know, some novels and things like that and love stories and those types of things. But, you know, what if you come to a point where you go, what did the author mean by this point? What what did she say? And what did he say? Wouldn't it be nice if you could have the author sitting beside you? Here's the thing about the word of God. The author lives inside of you and is with you no matter where you go. And when you run across problems in a verse of scripture, pray to him, open your heart and he will answer. Maybe not at that moment, but there's going to come a time he will answer. Pastors should pray for the congregation for what reason? So the congregation will stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. This is in Colossians chapter four and verse 12, where Paul commended Epaphras, the pastor of the church, for his faith and for his love for the people and praying for them. Pastors praying in unknown tongues not only get revelation from God, they edify themselves. And as it says back in Isaiah 52, they bring rest and refreshing to themselves. So this is kind of like a little temporary vacation, even though you can't get out of the church and jump in a car and go somewhere or fly off to Tahiti somewhere. You can have a spiritual Tahiti inside of yourself where you can pray in tongues and rest and refreshing come at the same time, revelations coming from the Holy Spirit. You make yourself sensitive to the Holy Spirit for direction, for the sermon, but also direction for the service. There have been times I have prayed on Thursday for a Sunday service. And in that prayer on Thursday, the Lord has given me direction for a gift of the spirit to operate on Sunday. And I have called out something, but the Lord gave it to me three days before that. Prayer also brings the Holy Spirit's presence into the sermon. How important is that? Anointing on a sermon brings rabbit trails, side trips. I love those. There'll be times I'm preaching, all of a sudden a side thing will come to me. And we call them rabbit trails. I'll take off on that for a few minutes and come back to my main point. And afterwards, I wonder, even while I'm preaching, what was that all about? It just came to me and I mention it and I think, oh, well, who knows? At the end of the service, someone comes down and says, Pastor, how did you know my problem? You spoke, and I'm thinking, what did I speak? Oh, I don't remember mentioning that. And the moment they start telling me, I said, oh, that was that rabbit trail. I'm telling myself inside, that was that rabbit trail. I didn't know that person had that problem, but the Holy Spirit did and took this sermon and provided it for them. Let me give you something else that happens while you're preaching. God can take one sermon and divide it up 400 ways. 
What do you mean by that? I've had people come to me after service is over and they'll tell me what they got out of the sermon. And although I'm smiling and nodding my head, I'm thinking, what in the world did that sermon have to do with that that you just told me? I couldn't even put the two together. But from my mouth, by the time it reached their ears, the Holy Spirit just took it and turned it and twisted it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. My intellect is not the issue. My heart being guided and steered by the Holy Spirit is the issue. This is when preaching becomes prophesying, where you're actually hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, something supernatural comes on it, and it ministers different things to to different people. This is incredible, this is wonderful. This is what we have of a supernatural church, and this is what God intended from the day of Pentecost. So pastors, I simply leave in your hands until I talk to you tomorrow. Open yourself up more to the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit also has exalted the word, even above his name. We'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.